Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I'm really, really grateful that we, we get to do this together. And the, the thoughts that I wanted to bring today as we talk about Canvas and in the last few minutes that we have together was just to unpack with you an account in Scripture that inspires me like nothing else. I, I just wanted the opportunity, thank you, Michael, to talk about Jesus today. I'm convinced that the greatest leader who has ever existed is Jesus Himself. That there is nothing weak about Him. That everything that He did and everything that He came to do actually was filled with the most immense strength possible. But it's strength in the sense that we we don't easily recognise it because it's wrapped up in humility. It's wrapped up in service. It's wrapped up in lifting and esteeming and encouraging and empowering. At the same time, it's wrapped up in this idea of not tolerating things that are wrong and broken, hindrances and limitations. The, the, The ministry of Jesus ultimately is so strong because He confronted the very things that would hold us back in life while living as the example for how you overcome. Jesus lives in and through us by His Spirit if we're willing to journey with Him. And so there's an account in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John chapter 13, that I just wanna read with you. And I just wanted to have the opportunity to unpack some Scriptures with you. And as we set the scene for what it means to be a church that gets to give. We pick it up, John chapter 13, verse one to five to begin with. Jesus right now is having a meal. And it's nothing out of the ordinary for Jesus. Jesus epitomised hospitality and life together and the journey that it takes to build long lasting relationships that go far beyond acquaintances into even family and brotherhood. And Jesus is having a meal, but this is no normal meal. This is His last meal. Jesus is right now preparing to finish His earthly ministry. In John chapter 13, it is setting up the scene where Jesus is about to be betrayed by one of those who journeyed with Him the closest, a man named Judas, where Jesus has done this journey for three years with a small group and then a larger group. It was basically a local church on tour in the the, the wilderness as they travelled around with Him and He is ready to finish His ministry with a meal, a celebration, a marking of the moment. Nobody else knew what was about to happen, but Jesus knew that He was about to be betrayed. He was about to be captured and in prison for having done nothing wrong, that He was about to be tortured beyond recognition. He was about to be led through the city of Jerusalem, carrying on His back His tool of execution. He was about to be led out of Jerusalem into a hill area and He was about to be nailed to a cross. But before that happened, He had the audacity to sit down and have a meal. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd be able to eat. I don't think there'd be anything in me knowing what was ahead that would allow me the opportunity to engage with the people around me. I would have simply just been stuck in fear and anxiety. But Jesus here epitomises what He came to do, to empower others. So it says in John chapter 13, Verse one to five, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, when it was time for supper, the devil had already put in the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet to dry them with the towel tied around him. I don't know if you've ever seen that in a film used to depict Jesus. I remember growing up in a family that was not Christian and on Easter on Channel 10, they would show the greatest story ever told, Life of Jesus. Lacked all the special effects of Marvel movies and everything in between, but I always was captivated by the life of Jesus and it would show this scene where he would get down and wash his disciples' feet. But I didn't understand the significance of it, how actually powerful that moment of service was. That Jesus in that moment, knowing who he was, knowing where he'd come from, knowing where he was going, chose to esteem and build up others. Do you know how rebellious this idea is? See, often we think that the greatest leaders are the ones who stand above and stand apart. But Jesus, who is the greatest leader who ever lived, showed us that the model of true greatness comes in a willingness to serve. And it's not just any type of service. This service that He epitomised in the culture of the day was the most disgusting, despicable possible. See, they didn't have Nike Jordans in those days. They didn't have LeBron shoes. They didn't have Timberland boots. Everybody got around and they rocked sandals, open sandals, not with socks either. For those who enjoy to wear sandals with socks. They walked the streets that were unpaved, bumpy, messy, filled with refuse and waste. And so their shoes that they rocked were disgusting. And by extension, so were their feet. And as they would go into people's homes and sit down, if people had enough money and employed servants, it was the job of the lowest servant possible to wash the feet of the guests. Now, if there were multiple servants, then it went to the one who was the youngest and the least experienced. This was not a job you gave to anybody who could get out of it. And if people didn't have servants and had children, they would go to the youngest child and say, sucks to be you, go and wash their feet. And so imagine in our context, Liam, my firstborn here is 11 years old. You don't have to wash feet in our house, son. It's our four-year-old Flynn who gets to do it. You see, it was considered the least of the least not something anybody would choose to do. And Jesus, here is His last meal of His own volition, chooses to get up. You know, church is not about spectatorship. Church is not about us filling rows. Church is not about us clicking on a feed. These moments like these are meant to be moments of equipping so that we can go 
so that when you get up from your seat today, you get up understanding who Jesus is and who He's called you to be. See, we get to get up and go because we get to give because Jesus Himself got up. He was already reclining at the couch. He was already getting ready to eat. He was already set to celebrate three successful years of public ministry, the amount of healings, the amount of people delivered from demons, the amount of miracles. He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. Let's cast a toast to this. And instead of that, He gets up and He prepares Himself to give. It says in verse 3 that Jesus knew. What did He know? He knew that the Father had given everything into His hands. First thing is that Jesus was in right position to serve and give because He knew what He had. He knew what He had and that did not qualify Him above any one of us. What had the Father given into His hands? Everything. 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 Elsewhere in Scripture, He is called the King of kings and Lord of lords. Everything is given in His hands and He knew that. And because He knew that, He knelt down to serve. You know, for us, as we move forward, as we're a blank canvas that God wants to work in and work out of, we're called to know who God has called us to be. We're called to know the gifts that He's placed inside us. We're called to know and trust and expect and receive, but we're called not to see that as our identity. Your identity is not how good or how bad you are at something. Your identity should be found in the fact of what God says about you and who He's called you to be. That your value to people isn't what you can do, it's actually in the fact that you're willing to give. The most amazing people are the most generous. Jesus knew. He knew what He had, but He wasn't willing to stand on that as if that was His identity. And as that put Him apart from people, He engaged with people where they were at. You know, church, we are called to journey together. You know, proximity matters. Do you know one of the most powerful things you can choose to do in your life is to choose to come to this meeting on a Sunday and hijack your week and get around people like-minded and have a heart to follow Jesus. On top of that, you can choose to join a connect group and choose to come in and get to know people and be known in the process. You get to choose to be on team with people, to uphold each other's arms as we're choosing to give our all to Jesus. That we're not known by what we can or can't do. We're known by the fact that God's called us and He set us apart. We get to give. So Jesus knew everything that He had and everything that He had had no limit and He was willing to lay it aside to serve. It says He knew where He was from. He knew that He'd been sent on assignment. He knew where He'd come from, what He laid aside to come here. And something that motivates us or should motivate us who follow Jesus is to constantly remember where we've come from. One of the most powerful things that motivate me in serving Jesus is I still remember to this day what it felt like to be a 16-year-old kid bullied on buses, set aside, scared of his own shadow, who didn't have a great relationship with his parents and felt alone in the world, who was medicating himself with drugs and alcohol. I remember what that feels like because I remember where I've come from. 
I remember what it felt like to meet Jesus in that state and to meet Him when He knelt down and met with me. And so for us, as we get to give, we have to remember where we've come from so that we don't go back there, that we lead from there as a motivating force. Because you don't know the person that you're serving, their breakthrough could be waiting on the other side of your obedience. Just because you've showed up, just because you're engaged, just because you're present. And church, I want you to understand that I'm not just talking about the context of our services, although I am. Some of us are supremely gifted and your gift is desperately needed for the growth of this house. But I wanna be honest, your gifts are not turned on and turned off whenever our services are on. It's not like at 9.30 in the morning on Sunday, switch goes on and you're gifted. And then at whatever time we finish, the switch goes off and you get to go back. No, 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 no. You carry this with you. You carry this with you wherever you go, in the workplace and in your family, you are gifted to serve. And your presence makes the world of difference if you know where you've come from and if you know where you're going. So Jesus knew what He had. He knew where He'd come from. He knew where He was going. Here's where He was going. He was going straight to the cross. He's going straight to the cross, not as a place of defeat, but a place of victory. Here's what I wanna say to us as a church, as we get to give, we are called to take ground. We are called to inherit the promises of God. We are called through our effort, our love, our sacrifice to prepare a place for people to encounter the love of God themselves. That this should motivate us in everything that we get to do. That we have the opportunity to set up and set the scene for people to encounter Jesus just as we have. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into His hands, that He came from God, that He was going back to God. So He got up from supper and He laid aside His outer clothing. You know, it's easy to miss things in Scripture, to read on, to bump on, to treat this almost like it's a novel, trying to tell a story. But everything that Jesus does paints a picture of the love of God for us. See that idea laying aside His outer clothing, meant that Jesus wore two garments, most likely, an outer garment and an inner garment. The outer garment was used as a positional piece. Jesus was what they call in the culture of the day, a rabbi, a teacher, somebody very esteemed and respected in communities. And we know for a fact, as we find out later in the book of Matthew, that His robe was valuable. It was so valuable that the guards gambled for the opportunity to inherit it. That is as if Jesus was wearing the best coat possible, designed by an amazing designer, something extremely valuable, so valuable that as He's being crucified, the guards who did the work started casting lots so that they could get it for themselves. See, in normal times, they might strip apart, they might break apart the robe and break it amongst themselves, but this was so valuable and so precious. And Jesus, wearing His robe, carrying His authority, chose to take it off and lay it down. Now, one of the most powerful things we get to choose in life is not to be known by what we can and can't do, but instead to choose to lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice. What if the strongest life possible lived is a life where we find value in others 
even more in what we can receive for ourselves. The robe was anointed, the robe was a position. But as Jesus took off His robe, He made Himself vulnerable, open, able to engage. What if we're called to do the same thing? Lay aside the outer robe, he took up the towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet to dry them with the towel tied around him. The towel and the basin speak of this idea that we're called to get to work. Awaken City, we are called to get to work. We are called to be hands-on and approach life with the idea that our presence actually matters that it's not enough to know where we've come from, where we're going. It's not enough to know the grace of God. It's not enough even to have a life of authority. It's more important even to take those things and then get to work with them, to get involved in life with those around us, to not run from moments where your presence makes a difference, to understand the idea that you carry in you and through you the victory of Jesus Himself. And that if we're willing to get to work with one another, that we're willing to get there with a basin and with a towel, we have the honour of helping to cleanse and encourage and prepare each other so that we can receive everything that Jesus has. So they couldn't sit down to enjoy the meal until they had been cleansed. They'd let all the muck of the day go. Do you know that those who serve are people who are willing to do that for others? that we lay aside ourselves to give. Those who are the greatest among you should be the lowest rank, said Jesus, and the leader should be like a servant. Verse 12 goes on to say, When Jesus had washed their feet and put on His outer clothing, He reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if you, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I've done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You know, it's not enough to know. The knowing has to lead to doing. When we know and do, that's when we're living the best life possible. I know it's different. I know this model of leadership is not something that's necessarily promoted and pumped up. But what if in being this different, it actually is the best? What if we have an opportunity as a church to take ground for this idea that we get to give? And I wanna challenge you right now that you get to give by the gifts that God has given you. You know, every single person under the sound of my voice, you are gifted. You are created by the living God. You have gifts that you were born with. But even more than that, as you journey with Jesus, He will give you more gifts as you grow. That you could be like a Carly Hazeldean who never imagined for a moment that she would be put in a position to pastor children as they grow into the things of God, but just simply said yes to the opportunity. And now her life is so much richer than it ever could have been because of the opportunity to give. You're called to serve with your gifts. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 to 11. So we get ready to close. God has given each one of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 
Do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself was speaking for you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. I think it's interesting that Paul leads that thought with an amen. Do you know that your life is a prayer? You are a living, breathing prayer as you choose to give your gifts to God and serve Him with it. We get to give out of our resources. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 to 12, it says, Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Church, we get to give. We get to give because of the model Jesus gave us. You are gifted to give out of yourself. You know, as we get ready to close this thought today, I'm mindful of the season Rhiannon and I spent as missionaries in Cambodia. We spent almost seven years there. We were sent out from our country town, local church, and we lived by faith for that extent of time, which meant that when we initially moved over, we thought we were only going for a year and we lived off the long service leave that I'd held up as a McDonald's store manager, which lasted for a year. And then we had to come back. We ended up doing a tour around to any church that would allow us to speak. We would never get up and ask for money. We would just share our vision. Our vision was to serve Cambodia. Our vision was to come alongside young Cambodians and equip them and empower them to church plants, to get jobs that are successful, to get involved in the marketplace. And we'd get up and share our vision. And I'm mindful of two accounts that just blow my mind of people who were able to give of their resources and made the greatest difference possible. There was one account where during the global financial crisis, we were at crisis ourselves. Our son Liam was one year old. We could not afford to buy him a birthday cake. At the time, we were living off rice and fried garlic and soy sauce. And we were this close to calling my parents and saying, I think we made a mistake. I think God doesn't want us here. I think He's calling us home, which is the greatest lie possible. Why would God call you through a broken state? Wouldn't He lead you forward? And we were challenged not to accept this, not to say that this was our lot in life, but instead to rebel against that limitation. We came to God in prayer and we felt some chains break over our life. And that next day, my dad is walking through the plaza of this small country town and happens to bump into somebody who knew of us, but didn't know us very well hadn't seen us for a number of years, owned a local business and happened to ask Dad, where is Chris and Rhiannon? And Dad told the story. This businessman got our email and within the next few days, he sent us $40,000 to go towards our ministry. We get to give. See, our giving goes in front of us and creates an opportunity where us as a church on the front lines can take ground. For those of us who faithfully give, it makes a difference to empower the front line taking over and pressing in. But I'm also mindful of another couple that supported us our entire time in Cambodia. A couple named Sam and Dahlia. They were immigrants from India, from Mumbai, I believe. They lived in Sydney and 
a small one-bedroom apartment in Stratfield. They had two little girls. They somehow bumped into us along the way and chose to give us, out of all their resources, $50 a month for seven years. We stayed with them one night when we were back doing our tours. We used to always want to catch those who gave in to us, however much they gave face to face so that we could say thank you. We shared a meal with Sam and Dahlia. We stayed over at their house. They refused to allow us to stay on the floor. They gave us their own bed. We saw how they were living as they were trying to start a new life in Australia. They had nothing but they chose each and every month to send $50 to a missionary couple in Cambodia. Church, we get to give. What we do goes in front of us and prepares a breakthrough for somebody else. Sam and Dahlia never got to go to Cambodia. We never got to host them in what became our adopted homeland, but they sent us. Church, we send each other. We send each other into the front lines. We send each other into taking grounds. There are people here today, God is birthing in you a desire to start businesses and enterprises that you desperately have to because you are gifted to take ground. There are some people here where you're burning for an opportunity to serve God with your gifts. You have to lean into that. You have to press in because if you don't do it, there will be a missing point. Nobody can replace you. You are called, you are gifted, you are anointed. And if the example of the greatest leader possible is that he was willing to know who he was and in knowing, lay aside his outer garments and get down on his knees and pick up a towel and a basin and serve people, then our example as a church is we are called to serve the city of Rockingham. We are called to serve the suburbs. We are called to serve the schools. We are called to serve the families. We are called to serve those people who are yet to receive the love of God for themselves. We are called to give. And as we move forward to take ground together, I wanna encourage you, we actually get to do this together. This is the greatest adventure possible that we get to give. Final thought I'll share. I just wanna pray and open the altar in a moment. This comes out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. It says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, He emptied Himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when He had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus purchased victory for serving. Church, we are going to take ground as we choose to give together and serve one another and serve those yet to be. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.